Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. Don't forget in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Labelled Podcast with me, Alice, and Lucy over there. Hello! Uh, we are super excited today uh, and getting stuck straight into it because our guest is a very busy person. Uh, well, I, I suppose... Um, with with no further ado i guess i should uh with a drum roll yeah. we should introduce our guest today today we have got maysoon is it sahir no it's just maysoon like beyonce like madonna like Cher. <laughs> beautiful maysoon no is with hi. us today hi maysoon thank you so much for joining us super excited to we be are here. so excited yeah. so i told lucy and alice as soon as we like we're getting warmed up before we <laughs> let all of you in that my assistant callie has a note like a post-it note stuck on her laptop that says say no to all podcasts but somehow Lucy and Alice magically slid <laughs> in and got this to happen. So I'm super excited to have this very exclusive conversation because yes, I don't participate definitely. in such things. We're so excited <laughs> to have you, Maisoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Maisoon, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please? I look like the lost Kardashian. I have like long <laughs> black straight hair and cinnamon skin. But like I look like the lost one, so I'm not quite as as refined as they are, which is saying a lot. Like um, Beta Kardashian. <laughs> What'd you say? Like Beta Kardashian, like beta. the test version. Oh no, no, no. I'm like the one that came out and they were like, No, that's a bad idea. Let's leave her under <laughs> let's leave her next to a dumpster and see if anyone takes her home. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm a comedian by trade. That's like my job. And it's funny because I'm Palestinian. And when you tell Palestinian that your job is telling jokes, they don't think it's funny. It's really <laughs> interesting. So I'm a comedian. That's like my big real job. And then apparently I'm a motivational speaker because I have cerebral palsy and all disabled yeah. people who don't kill themselves are considered inspirational. It's like, a, it's like a side job, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just want to say trigger warning for yeah. everything. There's yes. like pretty much, I talked about suicide and dead babies and, you know, body image. And this is just going to be painful for anyone who's even slightly <laughs> sensitive because I was raised by a tyrant. No, um, <laughs> uh, I also, so I have seven jobs. And I want to talk about why I have seven jobs. It's very, very expensive to be disabled in America. Yeah. Like, they do everything in their power to make us opt out of life by making it very expensive. Mm -hmm. So I have seven jobs. So I'm a comedian. I teach at Princeton University, as most comedians are known to do. I run, um, I'm a co-producer, co-founder of the New York Arab American Comedy Festival, which is now in its 19th year. 
I'm executive producer, host, and writer of a new docu-series that you need to stay tuned to for called Welcome to the Disco. And I'm writing a comic book with Scholastic called Shiny Misfits. Book one comes out August 2023, Shiny Misfits. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Can can we become like characters in your comic book? (laughs) I think you can in future books. do. You know, this is our first time meeting, but I feel like there's a love connection here. Um, (laughs) But the comic book, I'm super excited too to be collaborating with another woman of color who also you know faces invisible disabilities so it's really fun to be in a super cisgendered able-bodied straight white man space and just be like we're shiny misfits that's amazing i love it we uh we talk quite a lot on the show um about a little hashtag that I've created, which is badass disabled ladies. Nice. And uh, and I think that, that, that that's going to be right up your street. Yeah. So. My ass is nice. I tell you, I'm a lost Kardashian. I yeah. do 90 minutes of yoga a day. It's very, wow. very helpful when you're spastic. Also, my most important job, I'm a cat mom. Oh, yeah. You see, Alice is a cat mom. I don't describe myself as a cat mom. I describe yeah. myself as a dog mom and a cat slave because yeah, I see. you don't you don't parent cats. So they order you around. Go ahead, gonna go ahead and tell you that we need to replace that word slave because slavery is super serious. So how yeah. about like maid, servant, beck and call girl? Yeah. I I can go I can go servant, <laughs> certainly. I will and I will go forth and change my Twitter accordingly. Because, I just have to yeah. say, because with like your mayo countenance, it could get you in trouble. And I'm here to be your new friend that gives you advice you don't want to hear. Well, and oh. we're very big on like being called out when we fuck up. So yes. um, thank but you. But that's not to it. say that Eastern European are not, women aren't trafficked also because they are. Mm. But it's not the first image that comes to my mind. No. Uh, so, so now we're talking about slavery. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you to tell me more happen. about your cat. Yeah. So. <laughs> My cat is Beyonce, and people can go to www.maysoon.com and regale in, in endless pictures Macy, of her. I am a massive yeah. fan of yours. I know all about Beyonce the cat. Um, <laughs> Beyonce the cat is a beautiful cat. She's beautiful. She, is beautiful. she really is. So I wanted to get a banged up cat that yeah. was like me. Something that had like one eye or three legs. And the rescue societies in America Uh are more competitive than like the TV show The Bachelor. (laughs) Like you, I don't know what you have to do to get a cat, but they rejected me over and over. And like one time they were like, okay, you need to get two cats because they'll be lonely otherwise. And I was like, oh, you know, I travel, I take my cat with me everywhere because if you follow, you see she's been to lots of states and hangs out in a backpack. Yeah. And they said, no cat would want to live like that. (laughs) And I said, I'll have you know that I get up to 15 messages a day from fans in the third world saying that they wish they were my cat in the next life. And you're saying (laughs) no cat would want to live like that. Then another one was like, do you have kids? And I was like, no. They were like, do you have a spouse? I go, no. They go, do you have a roommate? I go, no. They go, that's just too lonely for a cat. And I go, do you even know what the definition of a crazy cat lady is? We are lonely. We are middle-aged and we are single. 
Oh, please give me the three-legged poked out eye cat. And they wouldn't. <laughs> so instead I got a fancy one. What made you call your cat Beyonce? I wanted Did you have, have like a competition kids. or was it, was it just No, like... it was, it was always Beyonce. Was okay. I wanted, I wanted to have kids that didn't work out. I tried yeah. to adopt the United States of America is extremely bigoted against disabled parents. So I failed at that too. Just like rescuing a cat. It's just been a lifetime of rejection. <laughs> and, uh, I always said if I had a girl, I would name her Beyonce. And if I had a boy, I would name him Beyonce because that was just, <laughs> I, 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 so I love Dolly Parton. Me too. And Beyonce. Yeah. And those three people, I kind of like make my life a lot like them, like my style and like razzle dazzle and like shameless pizzazz as Dolly Parton. And I think like Beyonce's work ethic against all odds, like just inundated with bullying and hate and divisiveness around her and just like shining and uplifting yeah. all the people in her community that inspires me. And then Dave Matthews is just the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. And I think that like you should be chill and happy and create like a fun, happy environment in high stress situations because touring is high stress. Yeah. And he's just like the most mellow, cool, fun dude, good dad, great husband, you know, really aspirational. And then they're, you know, like got billions and I like money. Like I just, I don't do the disabled poverty thing. We're supposed to do this disabled poverty thing because like 89% of disabled people worldwide live in poverty. And I'm like, call me the 1%. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. those those uh, those manis are not going to pay for themselves. Yeah. So I can't get manicures because I'm palsy. My hands shake all the time, and they just can't catch me. Okay, I've so... never gotten a manicure in my life, but I do get pedicures. The feet are able to hang, but the hands, it's just like you no see, way. I have pedicures a lot, and I'm in desperate need of one now. I have cerebral palsy. I also have handshakes. My beautician has got the knack of kind of like holding my hand in a vice like grip. Where do you live? Where do you live? Because all I've ever gotten is women crying and saying sorry repeatedly as my cuticle bleeds. And she kind of and, like grips yeah. and she'll occasionally if my hand moves away like or shakes away. She'll Are go, you in England? Yeah. Yeah. There's a boy I like in England who doesn't like me back. Okay. Maybe I'll come out to visit him yeah! so I can get a manicure. Yeah, come, come round my house. This is step one, Alice, for me and you and Lucy being besties is when I go get a manicure and it actually works. Amazing. Because yeah. really having to pat the anesthetician on the back as she weeps is really tiring. <laughs> and I just don't have the spoons for it. So I want this vice grip lady to be like, yeah. well, nothing compared to that octopus Lucy. Honestly, I am like an octopus. And she, if my hand moves away, she'll just very gently go, can I have your hand back? I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Sorry, here do you, you talk? Do you talk to your appendages? Oh, yeah. She knows oh, everything. Oh, my God. She knows so everything. My, my yoga instructor always laughs at me because, like, every once in a while, yeah. I hate saying these three words together, my left foot, which is very Christy Brown. Yeah. But every once in a while, it just doesn't comply. Yeah. And I will literally look down at it and be like, left foot, flatten yourself. <laughs> like, and it listens. 
And Does he's it? like, I don't know. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. Like, you seem to talk to them and they work. And I'm like, messages from my brain to my body are not going in the right direction. So yeah. I have to repeat the messages out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I got it. <laughs> it's fine. I understand now. I couldn't hear you before. And <laughs> I was yeah. busy being spazzy. <laughs> I'm allowed to say it, Lizzo's not. Yeah, it's a no. whole thing. We're, we're, we're allowed to we're allowed to say ourselves or the people on. I mean, literally, my signature move. I'm a tap dancer because my parents couldn't afford physical therapy, so they sent me a tap class. <laughs> and my signature move is spazzy hands. It's jazz hands, but spaz. Yeah. So like spazzy hands. So when the whole Lizzo controversy happened, I was like, "Yeah, you can't say it, but I can." can. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, Maysoon, can I uh, sort of delve into something a little that you said there um, and take a little serious twist to the conversation? So, I'm never serious, but you can try. <laughs> I'm just, I'm interested to know what your experience of uh, growing up as, you know, a person of color and a disabled person um, in the States was like. Cause... So it's so interesting. I talk about this in my TED Talk. I was never bullied and I was never made fun of. And like, I lived under the pressure of having to keep the Santa secret, right? Because I'm Muslim, so I know Santa's not real. But I had to spend like, you know, an entire half of my childhood just keeping the lie alive for my friends. I was like, yeah, he skips me every year because I'm evil. That's why I shake. Um, but nobody made, <laughs> that had a delayed reaction by a guy. But nobody made fun of me and, and nobody harassed me. Nobody bullied me. And the bullying and the harassment and just like life kind of being hell in the United States started after 9-11. Mm-hmm. It was like 9-11 was what, you know, I grew up in an Italian Catholic town in New Jersey. I look like I'm an Italian Catholic. You know, I mean, they knew we were Muslims. They knew that we didn't eat lunch for a month out of the school year, but it just wasn't weird. After 9-11, that's when bigotry and hatred really got mainstream. George Bush set up a Muslim registry. Hollywood shifted from like the Russian, you know, enemy Mm. to the Arab enemy. So now we're really excited that due to the brutal genocide, Russians are now again the enemy <laughs> in the movies and the Arabs get to take a break and be taxi drivers and belly dancers, which we're much better at. Um, but then it went, it went like bonkers, like just people who are like, you know who I'm going to kill? I'm going to kill the disabled lost Kardashian clown. That's who I'm going to kill. Like that all went in 2016 like with you know trump taking the white house and basically the ku klux klan being in power here and the rise of white supremacy like the violent rhetoric against me has escalated in such a fashion Mm -hmm. that i do a joke on stage i say half of my dms are saudi men saying i want to make marry on you Will you be my number four? And then (laughs) the other half are like people named Tammy from Ohio who are like, you're not going to post Shakira Law on us. I'm going (laughs) to shoot you or I'm going to rape you and then have your father honor kill you. And, you know, women always get so many more threats of sexual violence. Like the death threat is always paired with some really like wacky, strangely bigoted super violent sexual threat in addition to dying because i asked my guy friends 
And I'm like, are people constantly threatening to bend you over? And they're like, no, they just say they're going to behead me. So it's like much cleaner deaths for the men than we have. Yeah. <laughs> and the problem is that it's okay, right? So in the United States of America, there's this uh, congresswoman, her name is Elhana Omar. And there's another congresswoman who spends day and night on the Congress floor so like on record saying that Ilhan Omar, this black Muslim woman is married to her brother. And she says it over and over Jesus. and over again. And she's not reprimanded and she stays in office and she's not fined and she's not forced to apologize. So like hatred against Muslims in America is still very mainstream. And mm. being Arab is very different because like you can be Muslim and you can be any race. But being Arab in America is like a whole nother ball of like hate that I deal with. This is a brown woman. So like, you know, I'm constantly being told to go back to my own country. And I'm like, New Jersey is yeah. one of the states whether you want us or not. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it, it just escalated to a point that went from funny to really fearsome and just terrifying during the Trump years. Yeah, I can can only imagine. Did your sense of humor kind of help you get get sort of through that? Like, sort no, of money and bodyguards did. <laughs> yeah, you can't laugh your way out of Tammy <laughs> in Ohio saying that the entire state is her lawn and she'll shoot you if you step yeah. on it. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I no. Mm -mm. The comedy thing is strange for me. So I was a huge drama queen. Mm -hmm. My dream in life was to be on a daytime soap opera called General Hospital since I was five years old. And I actually got on General Hospital in 2019. Then the pandemic hit and I haven't been back, but hopefully I will be soon. But I was a huge drama queen. I went to college at Arizona State University and I used to have traditional weeping spots. And they were... Places on campus where I would sit and weep openly to see if I was convincing, and I was. My soon, you know, I yes. think you are my spirit animal <laughs> because I, I have started saying this to everybody that listen. If something horrendous happens to me and I feel there has been an injustice of some sort. Basically, I call a press conference and get the press involved and it gets sorted. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I am a drama queen too. It works. Yes. That being said, the dramatic world rejected me, right? Because yeah. yeah. I was auditioning mm -hmm. and no one would cast me. No. And like British TV is like decades ahead. Are you British or Australian? Are you Irish? I have no idea. British. We're British. Okay, good. Would you like a cup I of tea? I thought so, but then she was orange and I was like, maybe she's Irish. I, <laughs> no, I just like be... to wear clothes that clash with my hair. That's, that's Lucy all could I... be a Lepretian. I don't know. <laughs> I just like to wear clothes that clash with my hair. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so we were decades and decades behind of, of uh, Britain, and we just don't have a lot of disabled representation on television. I do a joke on stage about the first disability representation I ever saw was this show called Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. And first, the girl goes blind from Scar scarlet fever, and she's angry, right? Yeah. So I was like, I should be angry. I need to break shit. Then um, she married another, a blind guy. And then I was like, oh, snap. Does that mean I have to marry a palsy person? Because that just seems like a lot of vibration for one bed. And it might not be what I'm looking for in life. I don't like narrowing down my choices that much. 
Then they had a baby and it died in a fire. <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, disabled people are totally unfit to be parents. Then the husband, Adam, got caught in an explosion and boom, he got his sight back. Right. So like I went, you know, limping quickly Shit, to my parents. Wrong. Yeah. And I was like, should I blow myself up? And they're like, FBI, she didn't mean that. <laughs> and like, there were just no disabled people on television. If there was a disabled person on television, and this is still the reality today, they were white men. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we're still doing that. Like, God bless them. I'm a huge fan of like Steve, Steve Way, Ryan O'Connell, Michael J. Fox. But like, where are the women of color? You know? Mm. It's a really weird phenomenon. I've, I've noticed even in um, looking at our previous episodes of our podcast, the guests that people seem to really flock to, the episodes that we've had that had had the most listens are cis white men yeah the, the most the most listens in the shortest space of time as well and i because, just know. like their mediocrity like outshines just, every this because we back to some of our most this. boring some of our most boring episodes no offense guys but these <laughs> the most amazing episodes we're just dragging all former guests at this point so yeah, well, done, well done alice thank you for that <laughs> Shiny Misfits, the central character, keeps getting beaten out by a mediocre 10-year-old boy. And she just keeps getting beaten out by him. And, like, you know, I'm not giving away anything because it's the reality of life. But, like, every time you think she's going to win, she doesn't. Because mediocre white men always beat out extraordinary women of any shade. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about before I called I you remember. about the Oh, so yeah. So I didn't see <laughs> images of people like me on TV, but where I did see myself was stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor. Richard yeah. Pryor yeah. was black. He was a wheelchair user later in life. He had tremors from his, you know, neurological disorder that he developed. He battled addiction, which is also like a huge part of the disability community. So I took a comedy class and I was so much better at telling jokes than crying. Like, so much better. And that's when, like, when you talk about did you cope, it's like, no, I never used comedy to cope. But when I switched from being a drama queen to a comedian, my life itself just became extraordinarily fun. And now, like, I can't resist seeing everything through a comedic lens. But, like, when you see someone like Donald Trump through a comedic lens, mm. it's like the movie Get Out. Yeah, it's yeah. funny, but it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. You know, so comedy doesn't really help you cope with the parts of life that are, like, you know, I mean, the gun epidemic in the United mm. States. Like, as a comedian, I could make a million jokes about the police officers that didn't go in for 77 minutes to save those children as they were being massacred. But I'm not going to because their parents exist. And so, like, even though I can always see everything through the lens of comedy, I make sure that the stories I'm telling are mine. I'm not telling other people's trauma and pain through comedy. That's not my job. It's almost like laugh 
laugh at me if you must, but I'm not going to make any jokes because making jokes at other people's expense. Well, I'll make jokes at other people's expense if they're bad people. I'm definitely a punch a Nazi kind of person. (laughs) So when, when I teach about bullying, because I I do a lot, I teach a lot. I don't know why, but I do. People pay me an enormous amount of money (laughs) to teach them how to be better people. And when I, when I teach about bullying, I always say being intolerant of intolerance is not intolerant so we can't apply the same rules of decency to bad people so like you know someone uh ods on fentanyl i'm not going to be like oh they were asking for a drug addict blah 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 however like if donald trump falls into a sinkhole and is sucked directly to the ninth circle of hell i'm going to be like go devil it's your birthday. Like, you know what I mean? So I really feel like I, I if I target you, you're bad. Okay. If I make you uncomfortable, <laughs> it's because I want to. But like early in my career, I used to do pedophilia jokes and they always got huge laughs. And I had a woman come up to me at the end of one of my shows, like five years into my career. And she's like, I came to like have fun with my friends and I you just invoked like the darkest moment of my life and mm-hmm. nothing in what you said showed that you understood the weight of it. And I was like, that's not my story. That's not my joke. I Mm. had the privilege of not living through that trauma. Mm. And therefore, even if those jokes were always a hit and sometimes they were really a sharp biting political commentary, I found a different way to do it. So that it's always like, first do no harm unless I want to harm you. And if I do, oh my God, God help you, you know, (laughs) because I'm lethal. I'm from New Jersey and our tongues are like legendary. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's great. Um, Mason, you say you've got seven jobs, which again is out of necessity. You say, what would you say is your favorite one of the lot? Comedian. I'm a comedian. Yeah. yeah, I'm a comic. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's the end. Everything else is done through the lens of comedy. So my docu series, which I'm collaborating with uh, Nicole Newham, who directed Crip Camp on, it's all wow. told through the lens of comedy. We're not inspiring anyone. We're going to places that like think disabled people are cursed and like you know sell them holy water to heal them and we're like how come this shit has never worked <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like how are there, Evian, isn't it? Or something like how that, are there a million pilgrims at lords every year in france like who told you they were healed like was it the same guy that Nicki minaj said had blown up testicles from the vaccine <laughs> like I, you know what i mean and just like in america i want to do like i i have this one like dream episode Inshallah, I don't want to jinx it, but my dream episode is I want to go to Carnival. They have an entire section of the parade that's like disabled, accessible. And then Tomorrowland in Belgium is said to be the most accessible festival in the world. And then I want to go to the States and be like, look, we have nothing. Like there's nothing. If you go to Times Square on New Year's Eve, there are zero disabled accommodations. Like there's never been an accommodation made for us. And it's like, we're the richest country in the world and like industrialized and blah, blah, blah. But it's not all gonna be dragging the United States. I do have an episode about, you know, comfort and uh, service animals that makes the US look good. 
<laughs> You're worse. You still kept your Trump. We're better than you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and we, uh, yeah. I mean, and and the shit that that man is doing. Um, only today I was reading about the changes that they want to make to what we have in uh, Europe, the Human Rights Act. They want to put in something called the Bill of Rights, which will... Oh, my own... God, which will allow doctors to uh, force DNRs on us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do mm -hmm. not resuscitate. So the doctor can just be like, yeah, we're actually going to just let you die because you're not and, worth it. And you can pump. only take it to human rights court if the judge decides that it caused significant harm or distress. Like death? Yeah, well, it's up to the super, super harmful and very distressful. Yeah. And yet, if that's happened, I probably can't fight you in court. So that's no. pretty terrifying. Why is it that every time we get a disabled leader, they're such assholes like Elon Musk, autistic? Mm. Terrible human being. <laughs> yeah, you can't even. Well done, mate. You're just doing all of the, all of us a disservice. Yeah. We're not yeah, all I mean, like, he's, like yeah. he's, the transgender people are sick of him. The Twitter people are sick of him. His, his daughter's sick of him. His daughter abandoned him. His wives divorced him, and and he just has one bad idea after another. And I'm, <laughs> dude, it took me twenty years to get over Rain Man, and now you come and do this shit. <laughs> it's fine. He'll be in space soon. We won't have to worry about yeah. him. Yeah, he'll be floating no. around in the ether. Do you not think? No, no, he's just gonna stay and harass us. <laughs> he's like waiting for Godot. If you've ever seen that, play. yeah. <laughs> he's gonna send all the rest of us to Mars to burn and die, and be back here on Earth, being like, "Ooh, I got some stretching room." It's a little bit like when you get people from. So I live in the Midlands, quite close to Birmingham, and when you get anybody from like the county where I live is Staffordshire. When you get anybody from Staffordshire on the radio or the television, they're usually being idiots. And you're like, well done. Yeah. Oh my well God. done. We're not Girl, all like that. <laughs> hello, I'm an Arab. Do you know the shit that Arabs do? Like, it's always, always bad. You're kind of always like, oh, bad. It's, yeah. it's never bad. like, hey, look we... what these guys did today. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. No, so like, let me just be very clear. Like, Beirut is awesome. Palestinians are awesome. Arab people are awesome. Yeah. But Arab representation <laughs> is like a bunch of really like slippery, slimy, sludgy monarchs mm -hmm. that like bone saw journalists and deny women the right to draw to to drive or eat or breathe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. That's who is always up front. It's like, it's never me that's up front. It's like MBS dancing with Ivanka Trump. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? But that's, but that is partly the choice of the media, like who the media are choosing to show. They're choosing to tell those stories. Yeah. But also like, the by stories. the way, Saudi Arabia owns half of media. So they have like huge stakes in Twitter, huge stakes in Fox News, huge. They're very smart about where they invest their money. So like they have all these influencers on Instagram that are like, visit Arabia. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but if I go visit Arabia, I'm getting whipped to death. So like, <laughs> but like Palestine's not like that. I just got back from a week in Palestine where I shot season five of my web series advice you don't want to hear where i give people advice they don't want to hear and it's like one of the greatest places on earth except for the apartheid 
So like when you sidestep the apartheid, it's like a party city, <laughs> delicious food, it's beautiful no scenery. <laughs> Yeah. What I'm saying is, so so my ex-husband, this is a great detour. Uh, my ex-husband, who I call Chef Uji because he was a refugee and a chef, ergo a Chef Uji. <laughs> okay. All five of his brothers have been shot. All five have survived. <laughs> I picked the one that wasn't shot because clearly he could run, which I felt like would be an asset to me. But that's kind of the life. Because, like, also no way parties harder than those guys. Because, like, once you've been shot and you survive, you're, like, every night's New Year's Eve. So, like, yeah, Palestine yeah. is extremely fun. Great music, incredible food, like, people who, like, really invest in what they look like, you know. Not like not like plastic surgery, but, like, people that are, like, doing their hair and, like, wearing their clothes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like... I, I if I'm getting paid, this sounds like sex work, but it's not. If I'm getting paid, I'll wear hair and makeup. Yeah. If I'm not, I'm no makeup Molly. Like I don't even try. Elastic pants and a Dolly Parton t-shirt is what I wear unless someone else is paying for me to to look good. And I was walking around Palestine. I was like, oh man, I gotta up my game. This is like <laughs> Paris Fashion Week over here. You know, Gigi and Bella Hadid are also Palestinian. Yeah. So, like nobody thinks of them as Arabs. Like that's yeah. what I want people to think of when they think of Arabs. Gigi and Bella, not MBS and like whoever that guy screaming on the TV is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the slightly unhinged gentleman on the news. <laughs> the slightly unhinged gentleman who's always considered the second in command and always getting, <laughs> always getting killed by America, Australia, or Britain. Yeah. They just killed the second in command of ISIS, <laughs> the second in command of Al Qaeda. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> so now we've laughed at terrorism. Yay. I don't know how you've managed to make us do that. That's a special talent. I'm a nefarious Arab. We're very wily. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your disco series? Um, I can't tell you much. You can't tell me much? No, okay. I can tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. What okay. I can say is I'm, Please working, don't do with that. I'm <laughs> working with Nicole Cologne. Right. Not Nicole Cologne. I am working with Nicole Noonham. Right. And I have three disabled co-hosts. Fabulous. And we're diversely disabled. And some of us were born this way and some of us became this way. Mm -hmm. And it was really exciting for me to create a space where I could bring up other disabled people with me. You know? Yeah. Like, instead of it just being me, I'm so sick of being the only one in the room. That one, like, I got the chance. I was like, oh, I can tell you about when CNN almost killed my show. That was fun. Right. So oh. originally the show that I can't tell you about, okay. I got an offer for it from CNN. They right. offered to make the show. Right. And it was straight to pilot. So, like, I didn't have to audition. Like, right now I'm making a pilot and hoping that it gets picked up. You right. know, at that time I was guaranteed a show. And then one month later, they dropped us like a baby on its head, right? And no explanation why. Like, just absolutely no explanation why. And I'm dying to know how a bunch of executives sat in a room and said, you know which show we're going to kill? 
the one with five disabled women, 100% disabled writing room, 20% disabled crew, built-in diversity. That's the show we're going to kill. That's the show that we're never going to do. Yeah. That was a really hard decision for them, wasn't it? Yeah. And like the first month I was like, I'm not going to bad talk CNN because they're owned by Time Warner Cable. Right. So instead I just stared at pictures of Jeff Zucker giving him the evil eye. (laughs) One month after my show was dropped, Jeff Zucker lost his job for no explicable reason. (laughs) I take full credit because my evil eye is no joke. It's, it's, you are, you are the super crip. You are disabled, but you've got a superpower. I'm definitely the super crip. I actually just played a, a villain in a superhero comedy short for easter seals called pandora so i'm definitely a super i am a super crip and i think it's really important for your audience to remember that (laughs) disabled people's i'm gonna say something serious lucy brace yourself sorry disabled people's worth should not be tied to their productivity so even though i am a super crip and like i've made it against all odds and yada 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 all that jazz that doesn't mean that I'm more deserving of not having a DNR forced on me than someone who is nonverbal and spends all day on Twitter because that is how they communicate with the outside world and that is their community. And I, I hate when people talk about like, they just want to have a job and they just want to have a chance and they just, and I kind of just want to be like, yes, if we want to work, give us the opportunity to work. We can do a better or equal job to our non-disabled peers. But if we have the inability to be productive due to chronic pain, due to mental health, anxiety, depression, due to the fact that whatever disability we have makes it impossible to communicate and the world has chosen not to be accessible to us, those people deserve the same quality of life that I have. Absolutely. I am, yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you there. Like. There are, there are days sometimes where I, I work part-time. I can only really manage part-time because most of the time I'm like a permanently exhausted pigeon um, yeah. all of the time. Um, so I can only really do like two days of like proper paid job work. Um, at, but last week... Mine is all money. When yeah. I started my career in, 2000, in 2001, mm. 2003 is when I started being a touring comic. I was driving by myself in a car for 19 hours Mm. to get to gigs with no GPS and no cell phone. Now I'm laying in a bed first class. I have a black car that picks me up. I have a yoga instructor that comes to my house. I have a woman who washes my hair. I have a woman who does my makeup. The ability to live at the level I do comes 100% from having money. I couldn't be as productive as I am if instead of flying 13 hours to Dubai in a lay down bed, I was crumpled in the back seat, I literally wouldn't be able to get on stage after that. So people don't understand how much of productivity is tied to accessibility and and money. Yeah, and a lot of people don't see as well, like they see me sat in my wheelchair and they think, oh yeah, look, Lucy's up dressed and being productive, but they don't see the stuff that goes on at home so like you know my mom god love her 
she helps me with near enough everything. She like helps get me dressed in the morning. She, you know, helps me like if I am so tired I can't lift my arms above my head to wash my own hair. She does all that. Yeah. But nobody nobody sees that that kind of yeah. preparation work to go in and go, okay, that's Lucy upright dressed, looking quite smart, ready to go. Quite smart occasionally. Sometimes I look like I've been dragged through a hedge. But um yeah, they don't yeah, I do that too. They don't do the hidden stuff, do they? I do it on purpose. Yeah. I really make sure to look raggedy, like in one out of every three Instagram posts, <laughs> so that person that doesn't have the privilege and the help that we do feels okay. Yeah, yeah. But, being... but I draw the line at hygiene. You got to figure that shit out. Yeah, yeah. I can't take stanky people. No. And I understand that hygiene is a huge challenge for a lot of people with mobility issues, a lot of people with mental health issues. But if you want to be my friend outside of Zoom and in real life, you cannot stank. That's fine. I, mean, I have a shower every day. That is the beauty of Zoom. That yeah, is yeah. the beauty of Zoom. You are well, well enough away. I mean, we're in the middle of a heat wave over here at the moment. I 100% stink. But... <laughs> I've had, had to turn my little face fan off because it was making a mm noise on the recording. You would have, you would have just, you would have melted like the Wicked Witch of the West if you were on the shoot with me in Palestine. I shouldn't say shoot in Palestine. If you were filming <laughs> with me in Palestine. I've never been hotter in my life. No. I cannot wait for this season to come out because my producer <laughs> took me to the middle of a desert at two o'clock in the afternoon. No, that should be. And I one. was like, why didn't you take me <laughs> at sunset? And he was like, because that's when the animals will get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll go to. It's fine. Um, but it was like 140 degrees. No, I don't. And there was a breeze and it felt like a really hot hairdryer was just being like <laughs> shot in my face. Before you joined us, Maisie, I was saying to uh, to Alice that last, uh, last night I went to the theater to see a stand-up comic who's quite big over here. I don't know if you've heard of him, Michael McIntyre, but he was doing a yeah, work, in, yeah. the work in progress show over here. Um, like at my little local theater that nobody's ever heard of. So he we went. I love little local shows. That's yeah, awesome. it's brilliant. And um, anyway, so he arrived, but it was so hot in this theater. And like, the, the, apparently they've won awards for the ventilation. And I said to my sister, there is no way this is a Everybody, Everybody's got like a yeah. fun. Like fanning yeah. themselves, like trying to get a That's like a petri dish. That's terrible. Oh, ugh, also, no. by the way, heat is awful for comedy. Awful. <laughs> if you're hot, really, we like, if you look at like Colbert and Fallon, like the big late night hosts here, they yeah. always put their theaters at 60 degrees. Yeah. Because cold people laugh more than people who are sweating. Is if that true? Sweating, is that true? Yes. Is that Have like you ever been like, fat? it's too, it's too hot to eat? <laughs> It's yeah. also too. It's also too hot to laugh. You're like, <laughs> whereas if you're cold, you're like, ah, ah, oh, it's warming me up. <laughs> I feel dry again. To be fair, I think you're right, busy. It got to like forty-five minutes towards the end. I was like, I want to go home now. I'm hungry. Oh, I, know, yeah. I want. So it's uh, it, it's booking all booking all those Alaskan uh, tour it. dates from now on. Then. Yeah. Oh, man. That's what we do we with the podcast. Totally do an Alaska tour. That would be so much fun. That's what we'll do with a live episode of the podcast, Alice. We'll make sure we start just basically do it in a refrigerator. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Lucy's wearing you a scarf. Hand out, hand out <laughs> earmuffs to the audience as yeah. they walk in. Yeah, yeah, those things that warm your hands up, like like uh, what are they called? 
heat like little heat, heat pads. pad things yeah yeah, yeah one of them that'll be fine that's Absolutely definitely fine. that's definitely cancer causing don't, don't, <laughs> use, don't, don't use stuff like that yeah, i I'm between generations. Like I'm just old enough that I think everything causes cancer. I'm like, please <laughs> don't put the cell phone in your back pocket. You're gonna get colon cancer. Please do don't not put your laptop on your knee for too long because you'll oh, get. Oh, don't! You'll be infertile. <laughs> I think, uh, thankfully, Lucy, it's one of the few times Lucy and I get to say we're young enough to think, even if it does cause cancer, we probably don't care. Oh, no. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the world's fucked anyway. So Forcing a DNR on you now? Yeah. yeah. Because it's of the Bill true. of Rights, yeah. which apparently disabled people have none of. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the one thing that really scared me about going, like, if I caught COVID during the oh. pandemic before vaccines. That if I went into hospital, they'd take one look at me and think, right, she's she's gone. Get rid, get rid oh, of yeah, her for sure. Uh, that's totally. what fri- That's why I didn't leave the house for months on yeah, end no. because I, I like- didn't leave the house until I got my first vaccine. Yeah. I didn't go anywhere, but I have a big backyard, so I did yeah. have like a lot of like people hanging out in my backyard. But I did not go a single place mm. for the first three months i didn't leave at all no. that three months i decided what was worth dying for and it was two eyebrows <laughs> my mm. eyebrows in june it was june 19th 2020 I'll never forget. <laughs> i looked like the love child of frida kahlo and, Street. and i was like i'm going and i went and i sat in the driveway of the woman who really? led me so that we would be outdoors and she did it and I like tested myself maybe 19 times and I never left for anything else till I got vaccinated. Oh, man. Then I got vaccinated and I wilded it out and I just want to point out the vaccine doesn't actually stop you from getting COVID. No. It stops you from dying, which is nice, but I totally wilded it out like as if I had like full <laughs> like double condom protection <laughs> and so like I, I'm a bad disabled person. No, to be, like, to be, to be, to be, I did exactly the same thing. I had the vaccine. I cried on the way to the doctors. I cried at the doctors. I cried on the way home. And then we got my mum to stop off and get me a bottle of Prosecco from the local Oh, that's hilarious. You're yeah. like, yeah, dude. I, it was February 22nd that, like, my second vaccine kicked in. Yeah. So, like, I got the, the first shot I got because it was Pfizer. I got the second shot and they told me two weeks from the second shot, that's when, and I like counted down to midnight and I basically like tore off my clothes and ran into the street. (laughs) And like, you know, I have a lot of friends who are really conservative and super, super, super immunocompromised. And they're like, these are all the reasons we have to wear masks. I I support your wearing it. I will buy you a fancy one, but ain't no one covering my lips again. I just can't. The, the palsy was too hard. Like, I'm definitely a bad person. But like I said, like, I took every single booster. I yeah. stay away from kids under the age of five. I test all the time. Mm. It reminds me of, like, when I was married and trying to get pregnant. And you would just, like, take a pregnancy test every 15 minutes. That's basically <laughs> me with a COVID test. I have two Q-tips permanently stuffed up my nose at this. all times. Right. I was going to say this. Did you not find... 
this is Michael McIntyre said this last night. Did you not find that when you first started doing COVID tests, the little like Q-tip thing would only go so far up your nose? Now it could go right, now right it's away. Like to my eyeball. Now you're like, it's, ah, it's in my brain. So Princeton University <laughs> got me a better test. Right. And it was like a toothbrush. And I had to brush my gums 10 times on each side. Right. And that's how I COVID tested for Princeton. So I didn't have to do the Q-tips. Because I'm telling you, like one or two times, the Q-tip, I had to pull it out of my mouth because I went too far. Because okay. if you spaz, it just goes all the way through. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, that's in my throat. And it's burning. <laughs> And no. sometimes my eyeball would just like really feel like it was about to fall out. Well, luckily <laughs> they changed our tests over here. So before you used to have to go like down your throat and up your nose. And I never, because I wasn't going anywhere, I wasn't leaving the house. I was no, there was Lucy, no need. I so, don't think that we should talk about dirty things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Disabled people are innocent snowflake angel babies. Yeah, of course we are. And not go down the throat and up the nose, okay? Just realize what I just said. And they only use appropriate holes. <laughs> Oh my god! I've not even had a drink yet. <laughs> you don't um, have to drink when you're with me. I, I tell you, I am going to fly you out over to the UK, and we're going to the pub uh, for a night well, out. Okay, I love the fact that you're like, I'm taking the Muslim chick to the pub yeah. because I'm going to be laughing harder than anyone there, and I will be the only one who is sober. But like my palsy, you've seen videos of me. Yeah. My palsy, I always look like I'm wasted. So guys are like, she's a party, dude. And then they get up close and they're like, what's up with her face? <laughs> I've, had, I've had no less than seven random people suggest to me that I may be having a stroke. No way. And I was like, no, I'm not. not. Really. Yeah. Oh, what, on the so same like, night or just like? No, no, no. Like throughout the past 25 years of doing stand-up comedy in bars, I've also had people chase me down as I'm getting into my car and be like, it's not worth it. I'll pay for the taxi. It's not worth it because they Jesus think I'm drinking Christ. and driving. Oh and my. I'm like, no, dude, if I drank, I would walk straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if I... If I drink, I forget I can't walk. Have you ever fallen out your chair? Yeah, all, all the time. Nice. Everybody's like, <laughs> we should wear, you should wear like bubble wrap suits because. This is why Muslims don't drink. Okay, <laughs> Alice and Lucy, we yeah. have three minutes. What's okay. the final thing? Go on, Alice. I, well, I was going to say, Maysoon, you tell us where people can find you on the internet and um, anything that you think that everybody, what's your like final thought? What's the thing that people absolutely must know? Okay. Cats are better than dogs. Cats rule dogs drool. That's what people should know. <laughs> you can find me at Maysoon.com. The website is cool right now, but in about a month, it's going to be spectacular because I'm going through a rebuild where it's going to be interactive and people can leave me questions for advice they don't want to hear. I'll answer you on my website and Beyonce has a page and you can like and comment on her pictures and it's going to be fantastic. But right now it's pretty good. It's maysoon.com. And what's cool about it is if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter 
or YouTube. You can find all those channels and all those links on Maysoon.com. Maysoon is really easy to spell. It's like the month of May is coming soon. M-A-Y-S-O-O-N. Maysoon, nothing funky, nothing ethnic. If you forget, Google palsy lost Kardashian. I'm the first thing that comes up. <laughs> Absolutely. Maysoon, thank you so much for uh, spending an hour of your time with us today. I am so. Can you bring me back when Shiny Misfits comes out Absolutely. and we'll have oh my God. Shiny Misfits virtual book party? Maysoon, yes. I'm being genuinely serious here. If you want to come back, you can come back anytime you like. Thank you. If thank you really, you. really want to. The yes, when open. I do Shiny Misfits, yes. I want your three listeners to hear all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank hopefully so we'll have four by the time you come back. One, someone else will have picked us up just from seeing you be on it. So I hope so. I'm going to share extensively on my social media. Links oh, of- all the news. Thank Maybe you so, so much. Thank, Thank you. Stay alive. Don't let them DNR you. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. We'll bye. see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review, and subscribe, and you can follow us on social media at Labeled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden, and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>